Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. in there, I guess. Amen. Glad to have Evangelist Adrian Sanford with us. Amen. And since he's just here this time, it means we're going to have to have him again sometime. So bring all of his family and all of his children and any of the children that may be on the way. I'm just joking, brother. (laughs) I'm just joking. Amen. He has a wonderful, wonderful family. Amen. We appreciate him uh, taking time to come here, investing in uh, the church here at Mount Carmel, Illinois. Our lives, whenever he leaves, will have been made better by him being here and being obedient to the Holy Ghost. We have heard the word of the Lord. Amen. Preached the past couple of nights. Amen. Just so richly and our lives have been stirred and our lives have been challenged. Amen. And I know today will be no different than that. Amen. We're going to be challenged again by the word. How many needs the word of God to challenge you today? I need the word of God to challenge me. Speak to me. You know, sometimes we come in and speak to so-and-so or that one, but I need the, the Lord to speak to me. I need to be challenged by the word of the Lord. Amen. Brother Sanford, will you come today? Amen. Can we make him welcome? And let's just give a hand clap of praise into the Lord today as he comes. Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise in the house this morning. Amen. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand and tell them they look good and thank them. They're in the house of the Lord. You know, you always look better in church. And uh, I'm thankful to be in the house of the Lord today. Amen. I understand it's a Sunday morning, and but you know what? God can still do something great on a Sunday morning. Amen. I've come expecting the Lord to do exactly that in the house. Amen. I believe we receive what we expect to receive. And, and uh, I, I try every time I go to church just to have that mindset that says, God, whatever you want to do today, that's what I want. I don't want to allow my ideas or my concepts to hold God back. I just want to allow God to be God because it's always better when God's God. And um, he can do so much more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. All it takes is one moment in the presence of the Lord. I'm a firm believer that it doesn't take God a long time to do a great work. In fact, he said, I'll do a quick work. And I believe the Lord can do such a work in this house this morning that it may take us a few days to realize exactly how fast it happened. But that's the kind of God that we serve. Amen. So thankful to be in the house of the Lord. So thankful for his presence. You know, the thing about the Holy Ghost is... It's more than just talking in tongues. Now, that's the evidence that we have the Holy Ghost. Because they asked, how do you know they got the Holy Ghost? And they said, because we heard them speak with tongues. That's the initial evidence of tongues. But the Holy Ghost is so much more than just tongues. Jesus tells his disciples, I must go away. It's expedient that I'll leave you. But I will not leave you comfortless. But I will send back the comforter in my name, which is the Holy Ghost. The great thing about God's presence living inside of us is that it becomes a comforter to us in those trying and those challenging moments of our life. 
And I don't know about you, but I do not want to live my life without having the comfort of God's presence directing me and leading me every day that I live. Amen. And I feel that comforting presence of the Lord that's in this house today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I will go to Proverbs chapter 12. And then we'll visit 1 Peter 5 again. But don't worry, I'm not going to put you through what I put you through last night. We'll go somewhere else different in 1 Peter 5. Proverbs 12, 1 Peter chapter 5. Give honor again to your leadership of this great church. Give honor to your bishop and his wife and also your pastor and his family. Amen. Love and appreciate them. Give them honor today. Never take it lightly nor take it for granted when somebody entrusts me to stand before their congregation. Um, I'm just a country boy from Mississippi and uh, I'm, just, I'm just honored and grateful every time I'm able to minister the word of the Lord. You know, this is a safe place today. We can let our guard down. This is a safe place. And God wants to help us this morning. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Just one part of that verse. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop. Heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop or it makes it heavy. First Peter chapter 5 verse 6 and verse number 7. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Casting some of. Casting the big things. No, Peter says, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he careth for you. Sometimes it's hard to understand that the God that created all of this knows where I am. Sometimes hard to fathom that an eternal God who has no beginning or ending knows exactly where Adrian Sanford is. The Bible says casting all of your care upon him because he cares for you. Solomon says that heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop. But Peter tells us to cast all of our cares on him. For a few moments this morning, I want to I want to minister something that I have not been able to get away from leading up to these series of services. I want to preach to us this morning the cure for a heavy heart. The cure for a heavy heart. We put our Bibles down and can we lift our hands one more time all over this house? And could we just ask the Holy Ghost to do a complete work that's already been started? Lord, you see where every one of us are today. Lord, you see every road that we have taken to get to where we are today, whether it's physically or spiritually, emotionally. Lord, you know exactly where each and every one of us are in this house. 
Lord, you see where we are in life. You see the struggles and the heartache. God, you see the uncertainties. You see the unknown. But Lord, we can take refuge in the fact that you care for every one of us in this house. Lord, let your spirit do a work that can only be done by your presence. Lord, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's always been by your spirit. God, we feel that spirit in the house today. And I pray that before we dismiss and go home, there would be an unction and there would be a moving of the Holy Ghost that we would respond to. In Jesus' name, amen. As you're seated, why don't you give the Lord another great hand clap of praise? Allow me to uh, begin the sermon this morning by prefacing it by saying that the truth is I have not come uh, to this pulpit this morning with some fancy style of sermon to preach. My goal and my prayer today is not to impress the individuals in this house, but my prayer is that rather than impressing, I want to impact every individual that's sitting in this house with the Word of God. And so with that in mind, I've come today with the challenge to issue or to address an issue that so many in our world and so many in our churches are dealing with. It's probably the elephant in the room, so to speak, because it's that thing that exists, but we tend to bypass. The fact is, so often we would rather avoid it rather than identify it. I've come to deal with a seven-letter word that the society would rather just overlook rather than just meet it head on. Yes, I've come to talk and to preach about anxiety in the house today. When you begin to look at anxiety, it is defined as having a feeling of worry, nervousness, or being uneasy, typically about an imminent event or something with an uncertain outcome. It also means to have intense, excessive, and persistent worry and fear about everyday situations or to simply to be apprehensive. And when you begin to look deeper into this, according to Anxiety and Depression Association of America, approximately 40 million American adults, roughly 18% of the U.S. population, are dealing with chronic anxiety in one fashion or another. In August of 2018, Barnes & Noble, who are the largest book retailer in the United States, announced a surge, a 25% surge in the sales of books that dealt with anxiety, which led to a press reporter making the statement that we are no doubt living in a generation where anxiety is prevalent. Harriet Green, a journalist for The Guardian, wrote in 2008 that we as Americans America are entering into a new age and an unprecedented moment of anxiety. It was then in 2014 that Patrick O'Connor wrote in the Wall Street Journal that Americans 
are registering record levels of anxiety. The truth is it is something that our nation, no doubt, even our world is something that is submerged in. And it's something, the truth is, that so many in the church are dealing with today. The truth is how many people may sit in this house this morning and while we may have our Sunday best on and while we may have our suits and ties on and while we may have our hair up and everything looks in place, the truth is how many sit in this room today and beneath the surface we're trying to attempt to cope with our own personal anxieties, worrying about circumstances, fearing the outcome of certain situations, uh, wondering about the what-ifs that life uh, has thrown in our direction, uh, unsure about what tomorrow uh, may unfold. Uh, A recent study came up with the conclusion uh, that every week an individual uh, will spend 14.3 hours worrying. Uh, This equals 744 hours of worry each year, uh, which turns into 45,243 hours of worry uh, in a lifetime, which equals 1,885 days in a lifetime that is spent doing nothing but worrying, which means that we spend 5.2 years of our life captured by worries and anxiety. The word worry itself comes is another form of anxiety, and it comes from the English word, which literally means to strangle or to seize by the throat. And the truth is that is exactly the feeling uh, that worry and anxiety brings. Uh, The truth is it's not just something that the evangelist is preaching today. Uh, I'll be the first one who's transparent uh, and I'll tell everybody in this house uh, that the man holding the microphone knows uh, what it's like to deal with worry. Uh, I know what it's like to deal with the unknown uh, that may walk in my tomorrow. Uh, I know what it's like to deal uh, with anxiety because the truth is uh, the last 15 to 18 months uh, has been the most challenging uh, and trying time in my family's life. Uh, And Brother McGee, I'll be honest and tell us uh, that I've spent many moments wondering uh, what's going to happen next. From 11 hospitalizations in our family uh, to my son, my youngest son, Cade, being born uh, seven weeks early uh, and being born that I thought was dead because when he was born, uh, he was completely purple and he wasn't breathing. uh, And it took them several minutes to get him to breathe on his own. uh, And his lungs were not fully developed. And we go and spend uh, a week in Le Bonner because we're not sure uh, if he's going to pull through it or not. Uh, And then after my wife gives her a birth, uh, she has to be rushed into emergency surgery because of things going on internally and once we get past all of that then my sister-in-law, my wife's youngest sister is killed in a head-on car wreck a week before Thanksgiving of last year and then my other sister-in-law finds out that she's pregnant and then the doctor walks in and begins to give all worst case scenarios she may be born with birth defects and all of these things are laid out and then my other sister-in-law 
Her daughter goes in to the doctor because of seizures and she ends up having to have two brain surgeries. Can I tell somebody in this house, I know what it's like to be apprehensive. I know what it's like to go to God in prayer with my hands out saying, God, what's going to happen next? The truth is, I know what it's like to be feeling that heaviness that comes into my heart. And the truth is, there's probably people in this house this morning who knows exactly what I'm preaching about. In fact, if my spirit is correct, I believe there's some individuals in this house. You've come to church and you're worrying and you're fearful and there's anxiety. But I've come to tell us God has sent a preacher to tell us he's in this house and there is a cure. There is a remedy. It doesn't matter what heaviness life brings. There's a cure in the house. When we begin to look at anxiety from a biblical perspective and standpoint, you would be quick to realize that the word anxiety never appears in the King James Version, but synonyms such as trouble, heaviness, distress, and cares are used in its place. David's passionate prayer, I'm sure, would resonate with some in the house this morning when he asked the question in Psalms 13 and 2, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily. That's how the King James Version translates it. But the Holman Christian Bible makes it somewhat clearer by rendering David's prayer from this context. How long will I store up anxious concerns within me? And how long will I have agony in my heart every day? No doubt Solomon's proverb rings true in our ears this morning when he tells us in our text that heaviness is in the heart of a man maketh it stoop. It was Solomon's way of saying that anxiety weighs down the heart carrying fear and carrying worry and carrying uncertainty and carrying apprehension has a way of weighing the heart down and making it heavy because heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it to stoop. When we open the word of God we would be quick to realize that there's individuals uh, who walk through the pages of those Bible uh, who knew what it was like to have fear and worry uh, and anxiety uh, as their constant companions. Uh, David could testify uh, about having to deal with anxiety uh, and emotions that accompanied it uh, because in many of his Psalms, uh, he writes from a position of fear, uh, anguish, and uncertainty. Uh, Elijah was the prophet uh, who was well acquainted with anxiety. Uh, he's the prophet uh, who can call fire down from heaven and destroy the prophets of Baal but then he's driven into a cave when he questions if anyone else is left standing. Jeremiah is the weeping prophet who knows what it's like to struggle with anxiety because it's he himself who speaks of troubles and sorrows that were with him ever since he takes his first breath. Even Jesus the Savior of the world finds himself in the Garden of Gethsemane and he begins to experience distress and apprehension because we read of how anxiety began to fill his emotions and he begins to pray, if this cup can pass, let it pass. And we see the struggle between God and man as it begins to take place. Understand what's going on. And the Bible says his sweat turns into drops of blood. Dr. 
doctors have come to call it hematridosis because it's when your skin bleeds without having any open wounds and scholars have come to tell us that it was in the garden that Jesus truly began to die because of anxiety and the stress he was in before he ever went to the cross it was in the garden that his heart was broken it was in the garden when Jesus began to die before his back was exposed to the smiters, before a crown of thorns were placed on his head, before he had to carry that wooden beam up the hill of Golgotha, and before nails were driven in his wrists and feet, then before there was a spear in his side, it was in the garden that Jesus began to die. It was in the garden that anxiety and uncertainty began to feel the humanity side of Jesus, and that's the effect that it has on so many of us. That's how it weighs down the heart. That's how we're overwhelmed by emotions. That's why we feel weighed down. And I've come to preach to some people and maybe you find yourself in that same position. Maybe you're carrying anxieties. Maybe you're carrying burdens. Maybe you're carrying fears. There's situations you're worried about. There's things that you're not sure how they're going to turn out. How many in this house toss and turn and there's no sleep and there's no peace because of stress and because of fear and because of anxieties it weighs down the heart trying to rationalize and analyze how everything's going to work out I feel my help in this house today let the Holy Ghost move and minister as I preach today because heaviness in the heart of a man maketh it stoop anxiety has a way of making the heart heavy so what is the cure for my worries. What is the cure for my uncertainties? What is the cure for my anxiety? It's something that one in five people in America deal with. So there's got to be a cure. There's got to be a remedy. There's got to be something I can do. Preacher, what is the cure for my heavy heart? 1 Peter 5 and 7 tells us that it's the words of Peter when he begins to write, cast all of your cares upon him for he careth for you. It doesn't really make much sense until you realize that the word cares in that verse literally means anxiety. Peter is attacking literally the anxieties every one of us will have to face in life when he tells us cast all of your cares, cast all of your anxieties upon him. It's interesting to note that the word cast occurs another time in the New Testament. And it's the same word that Peter uses here in 1 Peter 5. Because when you begin to look, it appears again in Luke chapter 19 verse 35 in the same form. The setting of the text shows us that it's Palm Sunday and Jesus sends two of the disciples into the city to get a colt for Jesus to ride on as he enters into the city. And the Bible says when the disciples bring back the colt Jesus gets on it and the Bible says and they brought the colt to him and they cast their garments upon the colt and they set Jesus thereon. Understand the parallel that's going on between the verses because if you have a garment and you want the animal to carry it you simply cast the garment on its back. You're no longer carrying the garment 
but it's now on the colt's back. You've got to understand the parallel that's going on here because when you make up your mind, I'm not wearing this garment any longer. I'm going to cast it on the back of the colt. The animal now works for you and he lifts the load and he lightens the weight and the same way the disciples cast their garment on the back of the colt is the same word Peter uses when he says cast your cares upon him. Can I tell somebody in the house if you're carrying anxiety it's not God's will for you to carry it. You're carrying things that God never intended us to carry. We've got to make up our mind. I'm going to cast everything on the back of him. It's not God's will for us to fear overburdened. It's not God's will for us to feel overwhelmed. It's not God's will for us to feel weighed down by the cares and the anxieties of life. Can I tell somebody in this house, cares are meant to be cast, not carried. They tell me colts or donkeys can safely carry up to 30% of their own weight. But can I tell somebody in this house, there's a God who's in this room today and he can carry so much more. You may have walked in this room on a Sunday morning and you may feel loaded down. You may have walked in with a burden you can't hardly carry. You may be full of fear and anxiety. Your back may be weary from the worries you're carrying. But I've come to tell us God has a back that will not break under pressure. You've got to make up your mind. I'm not carrying this another day. It's not going to weigh me down another moment because cares are meant to be cast and not carried. That word cast literally means to throw with intent. And so the picture that Peter's trying to use is that when we realize there is a cure for my heavy heart, that's when I've got to make up my mind that I'm about to cast down all of my fear. I'm going to cast down all of my worry. I'm going to cast down all the apprehension. I'm going to cast down the uncertainties. Somebody has to make up their mind that I'm not going to let this weigh me down another day. I'm about to throw it down because there's a God who's going to pick it up and he's going to show to the load because cares are meant to be cast not carried it's the prophet Isaiah who catches on to this in the Old Testament when the prophet tells us that God is a nail in a sure place we can hang on him the vessels of cups which are small burdens or we can hang on him the vessels of flagons which are large burdens can I tell somebody in this house it doesn't matter how small or how big the worries are God says I'll take them all it's why the psalmist says cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain thee it's why Jesus tells us in Matthew come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest somebody in this house needs to make up their mind I'm not carrying this garment of fear I'm not carrying the garment of worry I'm about to cast it down with intention because his yoke is easy and his burden is light I'm going to cast down the garment of fear I'm no longer going to carry the garment of uncertainty. Somebody has to be like that beggar 
who cast down the garment because it was that garment that symbolized he's a beggar. It stigmatized him. And so many times we're stigmatized in the spirit because we've got a cloak of worry around us. We've got a cloak of uncertainty. God, I feel this. we got a cloak of anxiety that's draping around us. But you've got to make up your mind. There's a God who wants ever worry. There's a God who wants ever uncertainty. And the cure for my heavy heart is I've got to cast it down and no longer carry it. Peter tells us, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Can I tell us there are times when we have to humble ourselves in the presence of God and say, I can't do this alone. Can I tell us there are some things we cannot carry by ourselves. We are not smart enough. We are not strong enough. Can I tell us we were not created to be independent or self-sufficient? We're not Superman, so don't feel bad when you're not. God doesn't expect us to be able to carry everything that life throws our way. God doesn't expect us to just swallow everything that life throws at us. I'm telling us there will be times that when we will be weak, there will be times when we're frail, there will be times when we fill out our broken vessels and we cannot carry the burdens by ourselves. And that's why Peter goes into the next verse and says, casting all of your cares upon him, not just the ones that are stressing me out. He says, bring me all of your cares. Bring me all of your fears. Bring me all of your worries regardless of how small or great they are. He wants us to know you don't have to carry that. You don't have to be weighed down by that. Jesus tells us, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs on your head are numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. What was Jesus trying to tell us? It was his way of saying that if I know when the smallest of birds fall, I know every detail about your life. If he tells us the very hairs on your head are numbered, that tells me God is intimately acquainted with every part of my life. And he knows what struggles I have. And he knows what fears that I have. And he knows what anxieties I'm harboring. If God knows when the smallest sparrow falls, he cares infinitely more about every one of us. He knows where we are. In fact, the Bible says he knows the way that I take. He sees every road that we walk down. He sees every door that we walk through. He sees every phase of life that we've got to meander our way through. Can I tell somebody in this house, yes, I understand there's been times in my life when I felt like God had no clue where I was. There's been times I went to God in prayer and I felt like my prayers were hitting the ceiling because God was so great. He had no time to mess with me. But can I tell somebody that Peter wants us to know it doesn't matter how great or small the issues are or the anxieties are. He says, Put them all on my back because I see and because I care. 
Is your health weighing you down? Cast it on him. Is your family in turmoil? Cast it on him. Are your finances going through a rough time? Cast it on him. Are there internal worries and fears that nobody else sees that you're dealing with? Cast it on him. Because you've got to cast it. Because he cares for every one of us. How do I make the transition from carrying to casting? You've got to understand. You've got to trust that there's a God who knows where you are. Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. You know what that tells me? If it worries me, it worries him. If it bothers me, it bothers him. Doesn't the Bible say we have a high priest that is touched with the feeling of our infirmities? I had somebody in my home state some time ago message my wife. She's a young lady whose brother committed suicide about three years ago. One of my best friends in the world. They moved from Ohio several years ago and, and uh, struggles of life became their way. Their family got divorced and they moved down to Mississippi and me and her brother become best friends. We're almost inseparable. But he moves off for a job. We get the call in the middle of the night of October of 16 that he's put a gun to his head and he's pulled the trigger and three years began to just pile up on my wife's best friend and just some time ago she had she messaged my wife and asked how can God really know exactly where I am when he didn't have a brother that killed himself my wife texts me and says what you got for this what do you say So I just send her the message or I just send her the text that says we have a high priest that's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That tells me that Jesus may have never had a brother that took his own life. But that verse tells me the emotions that come with everything I go through. Jesus felt every emotion. He felt abandoned. He felt forsaken. He felt weighed down. Can I tell us he may have not experienced the exact same thing that I have, but the emotions were there, and everything that comes with it was there. And I'm telling somebody in this house, he knows exactly what you're feeling. He knows exactly where you are. And I've got to make up my mind there's a God who loves me. There's a God who's concerned about me and I've got to cast it down because I trust him to carry it. Sometimes the hardest thing we can do for ourselves is getting it out of our hands and putting it on his back because we as humans want to fix everything. Sometimes the greatest trust we'll ever exemplify He's going to God in prayer saying, I'm not going to carry this no more. But I'm going to cast it down. Philippians 4, 6 tells us, be careful or be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Here it is. And he says, after you're no longer anxious and after you've brought everything to God in prayer, he says, then the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. Once the transition is made from my hands to his back, once the transfer is made, there's a promise. 
that peace is coming to your heart and peace is coming to your mind. The cure for the heavy heart is that we've got to cast it down and not carry it. But the beautiful thing about that transition is that once I cast it down with intent and I make up my mind I'm no longer carrying this and I'm no longer going to be overwhelmed by this, the peace of God shall keep your hearts and keep your minds. The word keep is a word that simply means to be a watcher in advance. You've got to see the picture that Paul is painting because when he tells us that when I'm no longer anxious and I'm no longer full of worry and fear, once I give it to God through prayer, he said the peace of God shall keep your heart. It literally means to be a watcher at the gates in advance. It's the word that was used that cities would literally post spies at their gates in order to keep a lookout for the enemy to come. So Paul is telling us, once the transition is made, once I make up my mind, I'm no longer going to carry this, but I'm going to cast it down. He says, God becomes a personal guard at the gate and entrance of my heart. And God himself becomes a watcher. And the peace of God begins to surround me. And anytime worry tries to come back, the peace is going to sustain it and every time anxiety tries to creep its way back peace is going to shut it down because once the transition is made the peace of God is going to be a watcher over the heart of my life the cure for a heavy heart simply we've got to cast it and not carry it The beauty is there's a peace that's going to come. Where anxiety filled my heart, peace fills the void. Where worry was once there, the peace of God takes its place. Because not only do I make the transition from carrying to casting, but God makes the transition from taking worry out and putting peace in. And he says, that same peace I give you will be the watcher over your heart and mind. So we lift our hands all over this house this morning. They can come to the music if they would like. Come on, I wonder if somebody in this house could just begin to call down the presence of the Lord. Come on, I feel the peace of the Lord that's going to just submerge some individuals in this house. So we stand all over this room today. Why don't we just lift our hands where we're standing Come on, the Holy Ghost began to deal with me long before I ever drove into your city about this service. I didn't know who was going to be here, but the Lord knew days in advance who was going to be sitting in this house at this time. The Lord sent a Mississippi man to come tell somebody, you're carrying things that you don't have to carry. Worries, fears, Unknowns and uncertainties do not have to weigh us down because there's a God in this house who wants to carry everyone. As they begin to play softly, prepare to sing whatever they feel to do. Come on, I wonder if we could bring some worries and some fears to this altar today. Come on, we're not going to belabor the point here, but if you're carrying things that you want God to take, come on, the transition has to be made right now.
Because once that transition is made, there's a peace that's going to come. Come on, there's people in this house. The peace of God wants to come to where you are. Where there's uncertainty, let the peace of God rule and reign. Where there's fears and unknowns, let the peace of God take its place. Come on, wherever we're standing, wherever we're kneeling, why don't we just allow the Holy Ghost to saturate us? Come on, throw it down with intent. Throw it down with a purpose. I'm throwing this down and I'm not going to pick it back up because there's a God in this house who can do more in a moment than I can do in a lifetime of trying. Come on, the Holy Ghost is still pulling. Don't walk out of His presence weighed and burdened down. But let there be a liberty that comes once we cast it, no longer carry it. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.